It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you know what, Rich? This is now, this is the first of the year. This is New Year's. This is the time when we're looking forward to something different than what we've had. Isn't that about what New Year's is? Now is the time to consecrate your life for doing well, something I, great for the Lord. I tell you what, I remember even, even as a child, you know, they always show the New Year's is the baby, the New Year's baby. Uh, that's the beginning. And that, that symbolic of life, it's a new the beginning. baby, the baby, the New Year. Anyway, Happy one Year, thing Dad, is sure— way. One thing is sure, because it is no secret. Listen to this. The chimes of time ring out the news. Another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone new? You may have longed for added strength. Your courage to But do not be disheartened For I bring hope to you It is no secret What God can do What He's done for others Is no night for in his light you'll never walk alone. Always feel at home wherever you may roam. There is no power can conquer you while God is on your side. Just take him at his promise Don't run away and hide It is no secret What God can do What he's done for others He'll do for you
was Carol Robertson, who we really enjoy his music on the complete story. I believe, however, the song was written by Stuart Hamlin, if I'm not mistaken, and that's many, many years ago. And it is no secret. That's what was in his heart when he wrote that song. Um, that's just the story of the gospel, isn't it? If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, that's the best way to start the new year. Uh, one of my good friends, her name is Diana. She sat at a table recently talking about her two sons and life in general. And uh, her older son is now 20 years old. And uh, he got a job. And it's a pretty good job. I think with the interior decorator, and uh, he's in charge of the warehouse, kind of keeping everything shipshape and making sure that things are the way they should, always looking for something else to do, always looking ahead to do more, on and on and on. So he's done quite well in his job. And they like him. And they gave him a $100 bonus for Christmas. Now listen to this, uh, Rich, but the audience, and what did he do? This kid, this 20-year-old kid who was rewarded for good work, they gave him a bonus. What did he do? His mother sat there at the table with tears in her eyes and said he went to the bank and had them put it in two $50 bills. And he went out and he found somebody who needed help. I don't know if it was a homeless person, somebody that looked hungry, somebody that obviously needed somebody to care about them and care for them. And he gave that gentleman the $50, total stranger. And then he brought the other $50 bill and gave it to his mother. And he said, Mom, I want you to have this. Mom, I care about you. I'm thankful for you. And um, I'm talking now, folks, about um, a young 20-year-old kid that has probably lots of ideas what he wants to do with his bonus, like any youngster that age would. But look what he did. And that reminded me of this song. I love this song by Tennessee Ernie Ford. Listen to it now. If I can help somebody as I go along, if I can cheer a stranger with a word, or a song if I can show some traveler that he's going wrong then my living shall not be in vain then my living shall not be in Then my living shall not 
be in vain If I can help somebody as I go along Then my living shall not be in vain If I can do my duty as a good man ought If I can bring back beauty to a world that's uprot If I can spread love's message as the master taught then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. If I can help somebody as I go along, then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. Yeah, see, that was Tennessee Ernie Ford, and pretty, pretty uh, somber, pretty thoughtful. Uh, that was not customary of his music. His music is very bright and bouncy and different things like that. But on this particular song, he's thinking how to keep your living from being in vain, having no purpose, having no record having no meaning, and that was his song. I love that song, don't you? I love that rendition. I'm looking at you. What are you saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's just another golden oldie from your yeah. personal collection. That That's goes exactly way, way right. back. Tennessee, Tennessee Ernie Ford. Now, I don't know. I just don't know what was on his mind when he wrote that song and I recorded it. Uh, but I do know it probably was the idea of this song. What is the sweetest name? What is the sweetest name I know? Listen to this, folks. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his holy That's the reason why I love him so. Cause Jesus is the sweetest
you're just the same as your holy name and that's the reason why is the sweetest name. Yes, Jesus is the sweetest name. Jesus is the sweetest name. See, that was the heritage Reunion. Um, I don't know if they're connected with the Heritage Singers. I know they were just wonderful, and they may have had a reunion and thought, now what is it that we've been singing about all these years? Uh, and they just gave us the, the reason. They gave us the thought. They gave us the answer to that question. And then Amazing Rich, this is kind of a somber program itself, isn't it? Looking into the uncertainty of what's ahead, the uncertainty of a new year. The last one wasn't all that good, you know. <laughs> well, Dad, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but we no. know who holds the future. Yeah, that's true. And the best thing is to begin the new year knowing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That's what the Bot Radio Network is all about. I, um, But you know, it didn't just happen either. It didn't just kind of fall off a cabbage truck, as I always say when people say, I don't know, it just happened. No, no. Somebody paid a price for the United States of America to be the land of the free, the home of the brave. Somebody paid a price. Somebody had to put up the cost. Somebody had to make a way. And Paul Harvey, Paul Harvey made a recording during his lifetime about the Constitution of the United States. We hear a lot about that now. Most of the people hearing about it have never read it. I would venture to say in the 90 percentile, maybe. Most of the people who even read it have never thought about it. But somebody had to put a constitution together different than every other country in the world. Every other country in the world so there would be freedom and the people would make the choices. Not the kings and the queens and the potentates. Not the big shots. Not the politicians. Not the ones that wanted to lord it over everybody else. But the people. And the people who put our Constitution together paid a price, but they wanted it so bad. They wanted it so bad, the price was nothing to achieve what they had in mind. Here's Paul Harvey to tell us about it. Americans, the how and the why of our beloved republic are so much better known and understood than the who. The United States of America was born in 1776, but it was conceived 169 years before that. The earliest settlers had watered the New World with much sweat, 
they had built substantial holdings for themselves, for their families. And when the time came to separate themselves from a tyranny an ocean away, at best it meant starting all over again after the ravages of war. Researching what you're about to hear gave a whole new dimension to my reverence for our nation's first citizens. All others of the world's revolutions, before and since, were initiated by men who had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Our founders had everything to lose and nothing to gain, except one thing. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. You remember the cherry tree fiction. A long time after you have forgotten the more earth-shaking history-making episodes in the life of George Washington. You have misplaced in your memory the details of Ben Franklin's statesmanship, but you remember his flying a kite. Joyce Kilmer was a great military hero. But the only thing you personally recall about him is his poetic tribute to trees. Maybe of this current decade, that which will be remembered best will not be its wars and its moon rockets or its crumbling frontiers or the giants who lived and died. Maybe all that will survive to linger in the day-by-day -day vocabulary of generations yet unborn may be the, the songs of a Memphis minstrel or the reincarnation of electric automobiles. But I, Paul Harvey, do herewith bequeath unto you something to remember. You may not be able to quote one line from the Declaration of Independence at this moment. Henceforth, you'll always be able to quote at least one line. It's in the last paragraph where you will recall when I remind you, it says, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In the Pennsylvania State House that's now called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the best men from each of the colonies sat down together. This was a very fortunate hour in our nation's history, one of those rare occasions in the lives of men when we had greatness to spare. These were men of means, well-educated, 24 were lawyers and jurists, nine were farmers, owners of large plantations. On June 11, a committee sat down to draw up a declaration of independence. We were going to tell the British fatherland, no more rule by redcoats. Below the dam of ruthless foreign rule, a stream of freedom was running shallow and muddy, and we were going to light a fuse to dynamite that dam. This pact, as Burke later put it, was a partnership between the living and the dead and the yet unborn. There was no bigotry, there was no demagoguery in this group. All had shared hardships. Jefferson finished a draft of the document in 17 days. Congress adopted it in July and so much is familiar history. But now, King George III had denounced all rebels in America as traitors, punishment, for treason was hanging. The names now so familiar to you from the several signatures on that Declaration of Independence, the names were kept secret for six months, for each knew the full meaning of that magnificent last paragraph in which his signature pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. Fifty-six men placed their names beneath that pledge. Fifty-six men knew when they signed that they were risking everything. They knew if they won this fight, the best they could expect would be years of hardship in a struggling nation. And if they lost, they'd face a hangman's rope. 
but they signed the pledge. And here is the documented fate of that gallant 56. Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter, trader, saw his ships swept from the seas. To pay his debts, he lost his home and all of his properties and died in rags. Thomas Lynch Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third generation rice grower, aristocrat, large plantation owner. After he signed, his health failed. His wife and he set out for France to regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, was never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. Vandals looted the properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward and Rutledge and Middleton. Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia, raised $2 million on his own signature to provision our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiped out his entire estate, and he was never reimbursed by his government. In the final battle for Yorktown, he, Nelson, urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's own home, which was occupied by Cornwallis. It was destroyed. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. The Hessians seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed, his wife imprisoned. She died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed that declaration, was captured, mistreated, his health broken to the extent that he died at 51. His estate was pillaged. Thomas Hayward, Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. And he died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered. Philip Livingston died within a few months from the hardships of the war. John Hancock, history remembers best due to a quirk of fate rather than anything he stood for, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity towers over the others. One of the wealthiest men in New England. And yet he stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war. And he said, burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar if the public good requires it. So he, too, lived up to the pledge. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy, or burned. Two lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you had had of the men who met that summer in Philadelphia. But I think it's important that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them, and had enjoyed much ease and luxury in their personal living. Not hungry men, certainly not terrorists, not irresponsible 
malcontents, not fanatical incendiaries. These men were prosperous men, wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity. They had everything to lose. But they considered liberty, and this is as much as I shall say of it, they learned that liberty is so much more important than security that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price. And freedom was born. Mm. You see, folks, you declare your independence. You declare to cut the rope free and then fashion the Constitution upon which the future was built. Isn't that powerful, Rich? Oh, it sure is. Uh, what, what generations before have sacrificed to give us the freedoms, to secure the freedoms, yeah. the God-given freedoms yeah. that we enjoy and today. And what are we worried about today? I want, I want, I want, I want. Give me the money. Uh, increase the budget. Uh, make yourself a pauper, a broke. We don't care. What we want is what we want. And the politicians pass it out as though it's theirs to give. Well, anyway, there are some wonderful listener comments, but let's have one anyway before we have to leave. Bot Radio Network. I always sing, Bot Radio Network, because your network is so amazing. Thank you so much for your radio station. We do listen and appreciate you so much. Uh, listen, Rich, let's take your time for one more. Here's Janet. Here, Janet, let's see what she says. My name is Janet, and I live in southwest Missouri. My husband has dementia, and sometimes in the night, I'm needed to assist him to make sure that he's all right. He soon is snoozing once again, but I'm sleepless for a while. Thank goodness there's bot radio. I can tune in on the dial. To hear the yeah. preaching of God's Word in the wee hours of the day is reassuring of God's love for us, and everything is going to be okay. And the phone yeah. number is 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-345-2621. Absolutely. This is Dick Bott with my son, Rich, with this uh, uh, New Year's. Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, complete story broadcast as a public service. See you later.